0: have a friend of the program back on uh ozzy allers welcome back to the jake feinberg
1: show hey jake how you doing today buddy
0: hey bud good to hear you man yeah (laughs) that that, i i I gotta be honest i I just keep float floating on that sitting in limbo man you know an endless an endless amount of uh of, of ideas coming from you um and um you know before we get into anything i just wanted to to ask you a little bit about um what you've been what you've been working on these days what 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 is what's churning you what's keeping you going
1: you know what's churning me is is uh doing that uh that i, I don't call it an instructional dvd it's called killer keyboards made simple and someone talked me into it less than them. i'm glad they did because i never thought i was a teacher or an instructor but it told me that i had things to to share with people and they did i did a three dvd set it's really cool, and uh, what keeps me busy is I have a live webinar, not quite as big as a Jake Feinberg show. <laughs> <sure, so>, but, <laughs> but, but I yeah. do it. I do it. I got a tough schedule, Jake. I do it twice a month. It's it's two hour long shows <laughs> a month. It's a rough schedule. I hope I can keep it up. Oh, but I do stay in touch. I stay in touch with young and old people who just have the burn for for music. For uh, you know being creative on the piano more than learning ABCD or, you know, listening, you know, and playing classical music or anything. It's basically, you know, my heart's in rock and roll and New Orleans jazz, New Orleans rock and roll, Toussaint you know, Huey Piano Smith, all that stuff. The number of people that are coming out of the woodworks, these people that are freaks, that just love that kind of music. It's really cool. So I'm able to share that, share that with them. This is my heart. You know, I played all kinds of music, including with Jerry and other people, you know, but man, my heart's in this music, so I'm able to share it with people, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm not touring, man. No more stinky buses with a lot of guys on it, you know. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to talk
0: to you about that. I mean, because I I I want you to talk about, um, you know, I remember uh for the audience, uh, Ozzy and I were able to actually catch a hang on New Year's Eve a few a few years ago in in uh, in Carlsbad, and you were talking. You still have a lot of friends who play. Till 2 a.m., making 60 bucks a night. I mean, you respect that, and how are and do you respect that? And then also, what is how do they feel, even though they're because they're still doing it, you chose not to do it anymore?
1: You know, there's so many different levels of that. You got to play music you love. I mean, I'd rather play for free than for 60 bucks. You know, that's 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 me. I'm just you know, I'm not a snob in any way some people do it because it gets them out and playing with their friends and they're going to keep doing it until the day they die that's where they're happy and you know i had some really really happy times doing it um i mean a lot of them are recorded a lot of moments uh, on tours that you know I, I i'd never give up but the idea of playing in a club situation late at night i lost a taste for that at about 50 years old and um <laughs> 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 I just can't imagine, but I respect the guys that are still doing it because I can still see some friends. I can still see a, a couple of friends down here in San Diego. um Greg Douglas is still playing down here, one of the great, great guitar players, Steve Miller, and um he was a great Bay Area guitar player. And he plays down here not because he has to, it's because he wants to, man. And I go out and see him once in a while out at the airport. There's a place out there. He plays outside, and it's really cool. Yeah, people who still love doing it, I, I applaud them. I just feel like I used up all you know. I used up all my drink tickets, but <laughs> all my was all Greg, my time on stage
0: was Greg. Was Greg in uh, Country Weather? What, what band was he in uh, up there in the Bay Area?
1: Got me. He was probably he played with almost everybody I worked with. I, I did an album. Uh, I was one of the guys from the Birds. Uh, Gene Clark. I did his album, and Greg and I did that together. Uh, oh God! There had to be two or three other projects. Um, yeah, Joe Satriani was uh, involved in one. So that was a fun project called the uh, the Mendocino All Stars. What a band! Wow! <laughs> it had it had some. You know, it had a life of about six months. John Barbetta. On drums, he put it together. He was the brains behind it. What a great guy, John from Turtles. From uh, dude, I still. Starship, I mean, dude, he from, was my. I mean, I still, I still Nash need on. to get
0: to that cat. I mean, I need. To talk. Oh, you haven't gotten to Barbada yet? No, I mean, oh. I, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, there's just so many. You know, it's an endless well, uh, Ozzy, and I just, I respect. I mean, it's <laughs> it's an endless. <laughs> I'm glad well. you said
1: well because it goes it goes deep,
0: man. It goes real, <laughs> real deep. I, you know, I wanted. Can you just talk about? Um, Uh, for younger cats out there who are taking an approach in this bottom line society that we're in now, it's uh, a pay to play, uh, there's lack of venues. I mean, yeah, I know you, you stopped playing the the bar gigs and and rightfully so the tours and things like that. But the other component of it is that your dad was a, was a, was a a milk and eggs bread kind of guy. He never uh, appreciated what you were trying to carve out um, even at the time even though you actually could make a career out of it which you did it, yeah. you know for those cats that want to be that want to express their 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 true nature they want to go on an individualistic artistic path and they're not making two cents and they're barely scraping yeah. by and they're get, how what would be your advice especially if their father or their mother or their parents outrightly can appreciate or don't want to acknowledge what the what life path they want to take how, what would be your advice for them
1: Well, there's a double edged sword. Back in my day, you know, I was the only kid. I was the only 12 year old with a band. Um, You know, uh, the Wizards and Oz. (laughs) Before that, Ozzy and the Sonics. You know, I put bands together because that's what I wanted to do. But I was the only one in my junior high school and high school that did it. Now, I mean, everybody has a band. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't have somebody. No, you know in the family who has two or three cds out there which is fine but that just makes it okay so it was it easier back then no because i had to get to the record companies and you really had to you had to go through business people to get there now you can skirt the whole thing you can get you know a million hits on youtube so i'll see you you know you'll be on the spring tour you know people want to see you how do you do it well, first off, you got to have a passion for it. You got to get up early in the morning and stay up late at night. If you don't love it, it's it's not a you know it's not a nine to five job, and it's definitely not an hour a day. I mean, it's like all you want to do. I remember that. That's all I saw. That's all I cared about, and that's that was it. That was my focus. It was my dream, and uh, I got to live my dream. I am very grateful for that. And now in my older years, I got to tell you. The, Meeting the people that I, you know, I been mean, I got I got to go to this because you and I should talk about this sometime. Yeah. Going to New Orleans and hooking up with people like John Cleary and um, uh, people, uh, Alan Toussaint, who just died. He gave me a tro- trove of music, and uh, and there's so much in in the New Orleans music scene that is like. Beyond deep, it's like if I feel that's where rock and roll came from. I know that it was Rockabilly, and I know there was Big Joe Turner. But boy, when when New Orleans rocked it, it was different. So I, I just no, I want you know. Let's unpack. Today.
0: Let's unpack that because I've been searching for the seeds and the genesis of jazz, and I think I think that that that, that that's one of the bastions and original areas of of river music, jazz music. But talk about the rock and roll component. I think it's really fascinating, and also talk about your relationship with uh, the great, the late great Alan Toussaint, Toussaint.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a very short-lived, very uh, brief meeting. Uh, I was put together with him down at one of the uh, French Quarter Fests down there, getting to meet the guy and talk to him, and what a gentleman he is. And, you know, he's the kind of guy, you know, like you talk to B.B. B. King or you say to Chuck Berry or something like that, oh, man, I grew up with your music. It's all, you know, I you you know, you can't, you couldn't spill out in 12 hours what it meant to you, you know. And they, oh, thanks a lot. Like, Alan Toussaint looked at me, and goes, well, thank you. You know, that really means a lot to me. Because, I mean, I I, I looked at, 45 records when I was a kid, and I noticed there was a guy, you know, every time at the bottom of Sea Cruise, at the bottom of Oop Oop A all these things were always named Toussaint. Toussaint. It looked like Toussaint, Toussaint. And I went, Who is this guy, man? K <laughs> you know, mother in law. Who is this guy, Toussaint? Man, then I saw Lee Dorsey, and then I saw all these people, and it all started coming together of who this guy was. And yeah, that, that rock and roll is really, you're talking about the roots of, of jazz, you know, J A S S you know but it is amazing the 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 rock and jazz that came out of there jazzy rock that came out in the 50s because i looked at the uh cleary finally told me that um i, I love this uh, jesse hills Doo, which is like a funny little you know parts one and two to kind of follow up to uh uh you know what i say or something like that maybe two years later but you know it was a cool song cool r&b song turns out I knew that piano player. and He says, yeah, yeah, so-and-so couldn't make it. So Toussaint was there. He sat down in the studio, you know, started, you know, playing. And so, you know, no credit, but you know that's Alan Toussaint on the piano. And it's the signature lick of the, of, the, of the song. And to me, that means everything. You know, knowing that lick, knowing that person played that, you know, they don't get any credit on the record. No one talks about it, but you put it all together. To me, it's like, that's music. That's hmm. where the songs come from.
0: <laughs> How much of the of the music development had to do with uh, like Earl Palmer, the the rhythm?
1: Well, you know, he he was, uh, you know, he a god in that kind of music. Well, but he's—I he, mean—I'm
0: not talking about you know the LA studio scene. I mean, when he was with two yeah. s- Woodshedding in uh, in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he was learning. I mean, that's that's all you can say is he's—you know—these people are really great pianos, pianists, and and, and they. Uh, you know they give to one another ronnie Barron uh learned at the at the at the uh, at the foot of of Mac Rabinac, you know uh, mm-hmm. uh dr John, and these people you know how how you how do you say you know what what did they give to the music well, just listen to all the sessions they were on, listen to the tours they played
0: talking to Ozzy Ollers here on the Jake Feinberg show hour number two um you know uh I wanted you just to talk a little bit about um uh, you know it, what's so great about this Ozzy, is, as I'm talking to you, uh, a, fo- a, a cell phone call is coming in from none other than Peter Rowan right now, which is just ah cla- oh, Pete, ah oh, Pete. He's actually playing a bluegrass. He's playing a bluegrass gig in Tucson today, so I think I'm gonna link up with him. But um, uh, there's,
1: there's there's no day that he isn't a player. Dude, he's. I mean, he's, he's 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 he's
0: he's uh he's lonesome and a long way from home. But uh, the 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 yeah. the, the um i wanted you to talk about you you have a way of playing we broke this down earlier uh where you really got off on going to small's paradise you would see guys like jimmy smith they 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 they, they'd play a note they'd want you to dig it they'd play it again if you still didn't get it they'd play it again but i want you to talk a little bit about your concept of perfection i i I tend to i i see today in music not the fact aside from the fact that it's just you know sit down music and uh It it can be very formulaic and people are just sort of watching. Um, But I'd like you to talk about your concept of perfection because a lot of times I feel like in certain types of improvisational music, a flub or a little mistake can actually lead to seven and a half minutes of, of constant creation. And I wanted you to talk about your view on perfection as opposed to imperfection in
1: music. Well, if imperfection is an art, I am <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the Da Vinci baby. <laughs> if, you, if you don't get the first you know if you don't get my mistake one or two times, maybe the third time it'll sound good. Well, that's I, uh, in limbo
0: that I mean what I'm saying is that maybe maybe you maybe you hit one wrong we came in with that that Passaic New Jersey show from 80 mm-hmm. and maybe you made one maybe you hit one one clunker but th- i mean dude you went off i mean i understand that that was the band it was but man it just rolled but in truth yeah i, I mean can you, because i think people are hung up a lot on trying to play technically perfect
1: and i don't well,
0: be- yeah go ahead
1: yeah 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 perfect okay well there is there is no perfect i mean i can tell you what perfect is it's you know, Ray Charles doing Tell the Truth, uh, you know, at a live uh, rally in Atlantic, Atlanta, Georgia in 1960. Oh. I mean, his, his voice, his, his delivery of that song is my perfection, okay? But that's someone else who go. well, you know, it doesn't sound like that to me. Mine is Bella Bartok doing this. You know, everybody's perception of what it is. But, you know, nowadays, uh, nowadays, I don't know what to say. That I mean, country music is perfect. Okay, that it is. They are perfecting that. They were the ones that were hard on Beat Detective. They were the ones that were hard on, uh, you know, uh, absolute perfect tonality. Every note is tuned. Every slide is tuned, you know, digitally. So if that's perfect, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's coming out now, if if it's not grunge or real, true, even indie rock is a lot of folk. But, um, you know, it's just recreating the old hits and and making them just sound a little better a little tighter and is there is a perfection i don't know for me the perfection is is the first time it's created the first time you know james brown screamed you know <laughs> on a recording you know and in, in licking stick or something like that you know <laughs> to me that that's who's going to do that again who's going to do that the first time who's going to who's going to be little richard being little Richard, you know, what I mean, <laughs> who would have thunk that up? <laughs> you know, that's a that's to me that the creative process, as rough as it is, that's you know, and then and then you just keep doing it, then you get karaoke, right? And then you get uh, you know American Idol, and then you get The Voice. And right. More pa- perfect at it.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's just something about uh, uh, I, that doesn't get me off at all. But that that but yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's a vexing. It's vexing to me.
1: Um Yeah, it's it it should it should be vexing, but then again that we'd just be old curmudgeons if we sat there and I, in my day it was now really like you know what these people are, are, are working their chops, they're doing the best they can, and if somebody does a perfect version of a song, hey, uh you know, or a knockoff of it. You know, that's that's what they're doing at the time most of the music that we loved it was people trying to emulate somebody else if you, you know if, when, when some people told me who they wanted to be when they were playing I scratched my head and went huh I don't hear it but they thought you know what I mean they, sure. they wanted to be what, 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 what would Pete want to be Pete would want to be Bill Monroe you know and I, can't, I can't put those words in his mouth say hi, say hi Pete <laughs> for me, when you see him, but right, well, yeah. in other words, he emulates, you know, Bill Monroe. It's like the uh, the granddaddy of, uh, you know, he, he and Ralph Stanley with the granddaddy of bluegrass, and so you know, and and he played at the elbow of Bill Monroe. You know, I mean, He says who is he emulating? He's emulating the greats, you know, and that's our version of it. And that to be karaoke is another thing to have every note down perfect. That's you know, that's that's another art. That's another part of art that I I I am not good enough at at it. You know what I mean? I'm not perfect enough to do a karaoke version of anybody, and that's a double-edged again. I, that's a to me, I would love to be able to emulate Ray Charles exactly. You know, every note, every nuance, but that ain't going to happen. Somebody else might. There might be a, a knockoff out there, but I got me. I got to be creative, me.
0: What, did you ever? Uh, were, were you ever kicking pedals in your in your career?
1: Mm, well, really, uh one four five one six four five you know no two, i mean because like,
0: you know? i talked to some, like john john turk like some of these bad ass yeah. or you know the misconception is a lot of people think that organ players are kicking pedals they don't most mm-hmm. don't but i want you to talk no, about most when, i i want you to talk about when you when ozzy Ollers was kicking pedals
1: okay the only time i ever kicked pedals was when i we first started a band called glory river uh. and it was me and michael michael barclay and um uh, Scott Matthew, it was a three-piece, and I was the organ player, so I had to kick bass, and the bass, but well, we were doing, you know, one, four, five songs, I mean, we were doing, you know, mostly pretty, really simple, you know, E, A, B, E, A, you know, so it was just like, and then I did move to like a, 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 a left-hand keyboard, that I did do, the people that do, Melvin Seals can kick bass, man, he could, like, have you ever heard Melvin Seals, like, do Go to Church?
0: Well, I mean, I've never seen him in a church setting, but I mean, I mean, I didn't even know he could. I, I should have said, yeah, well,
1: say good night, <laughs> say good night, just give, yeah. give him a Hammond B3 pedals, say good night. Melvin just goes, he, he he takes a gospel walk like, well, a few other people, Richard T can do it to a few other people, let rest his soul, too. But um, no, I never really kicked pedals that much. The guys I, you know, that I listened to um, did Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith. Did he did on, because on, it was it always
0: did. it was always Quentin Warren on guitar and Donald Bailey yeah. on drum. I mean, he didn't have a bass yeah. player.
1: Mel, Mel Mel Rhines or whatever his name was with uh, with uh, West Montgomery kick pedal. He's like, have you ever heard Best name Mucho? Yeah. It's a slow, oh god, what a what a track that I'm is. I'm just wondering know? if
0: Shirley Scott kick pedals too. I mean, he, this is what i yeah. This is, I mean, that's the the other component to it is. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I remember talking to Densmore about uh, Soft Parade and uh, the, the, the Doors album, and, and, you know, Manzarek was not getting enough punch off the the bass pedals, and, and so they brought in guys like Harvey mm-hmm. Brooks to play bass. I mean, did, yeah. did, that was that, that was the natural evolution in the sense that, you know, people were playing bass off that, and then eventually it just was not thumping enough? They had to bring in the electric? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, there was an organ player, oh, God. He ended up living in Mill Valley. Oh, do you know what I mean? <singing> it's a five, four, one. Four. Always played at the Fillmore anyways, and he had a drummer named Frosty. He played. He oh, Lee Michaels. Lee Michaels. Lee Michaels. There you go. That's um, the guy. Frosty, man. Face. Where's
0: Frosty? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> all of these names, these people. I, I love Where are they?
0: I know. Where are they? Yeah. I'm tracking them down. Don't worry. I'm
1: tracking them all. Down. Hey, one. I got, Who was this? This uh, Ron Carter was asked. I, I probably have. Might have a few of these exact words. But some jazz interviewer asked Ron Carter who his favorite bass player was. And he said Richard Groove Holmes. Exactly.
0: No, no, he that, he, he said, uh, well, no, there's a couple different ones. Uh, it was, uh, who was it? Or they asked Ray Brown, who your favorite bass player was. Ray Brown, that was it. It was Richard he Groove Holmes' groove left was, hand or something. You
1: know, it was, yeah. it was his foot. If you ever heard Misty by, by I mean, I talk about walking, you that's, that's one of the king of the walking basses right there. He really, his right hand was really good. You know, his chords were great. But, man, his, when he'd walk, you could just listen to that stumble bass. I'd listen to the whole version of Misty and just listen to the way he plays the bass, you know. Uh. Pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an art, though. And that's, uh, that's something, because one of my problems was, I know I know uh, Steve Winwood plays a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of pedals when he does stuff, when he does Hammond B3 by himself, you know, solo stuff. But it, it's tough. You've got to always be thinking about it. That's, I don't like thinking and uh left hand is one thing to think about that that comes naturally but um the the pedal another whole part of the brain which um you know i also don't fly fish so that's there. right
0: no and, and it's fine i mean i i uh you know ozzy i just i i had an opportunity because i'm working on a, a film documentary on stan getz and uh and a lot of people don't realize that that he collaborated with uh Huey Lewis uh, later in his career because Huey's dad was a total fa- uh, big band and bebop jazz yep. fanatic um yep. can you talk about uh you know he he wanted me to pass along and say hi to you but can you talk about uh Huey Lewis when he was uh working the 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 Ivy League upstate New York circuit and 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 the Wizards and Oz were were, were running around too can you talk a little bit about your uh your well, run-ins with him
1: yeah, uh, Huey's probably two or three years younger than me, and he came to Cornell just as I was kind of leaving. I busted out. I didn't make it uh, through there, and um, I was off, off to a musical career. I, I hung as long as I could, but the, our band was happening, and we were, you know, taking off. Huey hung out with some friends of mine. We were in a band called, let's see, let's see uh, Buffalongo. Um, they were the first guys to do Dancing in the Moonlight, uh, written by Sherman Kelly, a dear That's friend right. of ours. Yep. And um then they had a, they finally formed a group called King Harvest. And the reason I'm saying all this is is Huey hung out with these guys, but he was not like really in the band. So Hugh was like uh friends with everybody, great heart player. Okay, you know, a harmonica player is people say, Oh, he's you know, you're just a harmonica player or something. Hey, he's really, really good. I mean he's he's excellent at it. He's, he crafted that one. So yeah, he would sit in with us. It was a place called the Alt Heidelberg and he'd sit in and he'd hang out and He never really had that. I don't remember if he really had a band up there because every time I saw him, he was sort of like solo, and he took off. He told me he did some traveling, but the next time I saw him, he uh, he was in Clover, and he was opening up for when I was in Van Morrison's band. Clover was opening up for us, and they'd already had their European invasion, shall we say, of uh, you know Elvis Costello and all the stuff they did as as Clover, and that's where he honed his who he wanted to be, and. I think he he broke out of that mold. He was he was low man on the totem pole. Did he tell you that? I mean, he was I don't know if he wanted to, he was he was overshadowed by the other guys in the band. And um but he had where there's a will there's a way with that guy. I don't, you know, well, the coach. No, I really The coach I, will get it done.
0: His stick-to-itiveness, Yeah, that's right. His stick-to-itiveness was uh he definitely was in a uh was in a band with them. Um you, you, what what about what's Looking back on Van, I mean, you told this hysterical story that I transcribed. You said that Freddie Herrera told you that um, when you were with Van, uh, John Lee Hooker was playing, and here's oh, yeah. here's Van Morrison, the legend, coming in and bowing down to John Lee, and he's like, "Who is this white boy? You know, like well, what's what's yeah. going on here?" Oh, well, I mean, but from a legacy point of view, and for future generations, and just, I mean, my my generation, we you listen to the stuff. That he was doing and the kind of warm sound that he was that the band was getting and the fact that he always considered himself an accompanist and but yet every can you talk about being on edge? I mean, was it the idea that he wanted everybody to be in fear that their job was in jeopardy? Like, can you talk about the kind of coach and leader that van was and how he elicited everybody to get the best out of them?
1: (laughs) That's in the words of David Hayes. Everybody felt like they were on acid at all
0: times. That's a, no, see, with that, it. see, <laughs> that—that depends on the kind of acid, though. It could be good. That could be a good was,
1: thing. But right, it wasn't. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was. It was that. It was, that fear, it was that fear. Fear factor at the same time. You felt like you were in uh, You know, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and uh, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> at the same time. I mean, we did have some great musical times, and there was no doubt when when Van was on. I mean, and I'm not going to just, I wouldn't say just negative things about the guy because he's, you know, artistically still one of the great voices that ever came out of it. You know, that, that second half of the century, let's say it's like, he was, he's one of those top 20 voices. I love his singing. Everybody loves his singing. Um, it was just odd because he, he was hard. <laughs> he was hard on himself. And then of course that translated to the band members. And uh, I have to tell you that uh, it, it, It was edgy on stage, if nothing else. I mean, when when you see a guy get fired on the stage, (laughs) it's the fear of your job after that. You know, you go, "Mm, hmm, if he can do that in front of people, imagine what he can do, you know, when we leave. So, yeah. (laughs) And I was, you know, I was 20, you know, 22 years old or something, 23 years old, so, you know, everything was about the gig, the next gig. It was like, you know, if the phone didn't ring, you were finished. You know, if, if the stars didn't call you, if it wasn't, you know, a name calling you, you were done, you know, you had to go, you know, hang out with your friends and get your chops back together and, you know, just go play at the lion's share at night, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, Oz, I just, um, I hope we can reconnect soon and meet, face to face again. I always, uh, enjoy breaking it down with you. And I like the fact that, uh, you know, you, you are at peace with yourself because there's a, there's a lot of cats out there that still remain, um, despite the success they're still doing these thirty-year-old, uh, uh, you know, tours, making tons of money. But I don't know exactly how they're trying to expand the vocabulary of music, and uh, I'm not sure how they feel about themselves. And I really just appreciate you as a just being a a great human being and getting the memo. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm I'm a grateful I'm a grateful guy, and um, it's been great, always great talking to you, Jake. You know, on or off the uh, the air, anytime you're out here, give me a shout, okay? To hang with you again, have another cup of coffee, okay?
0: Yeah, and we got—I got to get to Barbada too. You got to—you got to hook me up.
1: Oh yeah, all John right, Barbada. Yes, hes hes, uh, he's another, uh, another, well. <laughs> just, have a great one, Jake. Take care. Good talking to you, buddy. You too,
0: Oz. Be good, brother. Bye. Bye bye. So that was uh, no, just an interesting show. Uh, in fact, uh, the first guest I was supposed to have was John Perry Barlow, but he, in fact. Uh, is still recovering and uh, we wish him the best uh, uh it was uh Stephen ferroni seems like five hours ago uh Gerilyn Brandelius just talking talking and talking more and having a ball and then ozzy Ollers to round it off uh what do you think ropes what do you think about that i'm sorry you got to get the mic Mike roper my engineer uh, needs to get his microphone adjusted here as he uh continues to absorb the, the <laughs> insanity of the jake feinberg show what do you think of that show roper Oh, that was intru- I mean, that was just uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's one of those where <laughs> where it's like, uh, you know, it's just—it came at us, and uh, we, you know, you you delivered, and and, and <sighs> it, but it was it was just something that, you know, all three. I think we had a Grateful Dead type vibe there for sure, um, but it was just unexplainable, kind of, and uh, we just went with the flow, and um, you know, all three guests just, just sort of just i guess quintessential of their time kind of people and it just it just felt like uh... just one of those authentic shows that uh... Y- you never can really predict but just just had a blast doing it so well i appreciate you being in the engineer and uh... we'll be back next week. we got uh, some major heavy heavy uh... people uh, uh... veering off into different sectors uh... a couple of uh, very impassioned people about inner life and uh... looking forward to that very much uh, that's a wrap for the Jake Feinberg show. I'm sure we'll be back this week during the week. Uh, for now that's it. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful weekend. See you later. A while. I've been riding the
1: world KICK!